All right, 1 Corinthians chapter 3. If you look at our theme for the year, it's building by faith. Is that appropriate? Do you think that's appropriate? So I hope that you can see that uh, this is our new logo that we're going to be using for a lot of our materials. And I want to move away from the, the idea of the church building and our expansion But I'll say this, I am meeting with a contractor on Tuesday. Our building consultant is coming up from Atlanta. And I'm meeting with a contractor, an architect, and all of that on Tuesday. And we're trying to get final plans done so that can be submitted for bid so we can get a a solid number of what it's going to cost to do the job. And so pray for me, all that's going on this week. I'm sure I'll be hearing from banks and bankers this week. We're working on all of those things. So be in prayer for that. But that's not what the logo is about. Let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Let's get an understanding. Start reading in verse 9. For we are laborers together with God. Ye are God's husbandry. Ye are God's building. According to the grace of God, which is given unto me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, and another buildeth thereon. But let every man take heed how he buildeth thereupon. For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. So that is the foundation of everything that we're doing here. And so I want to begin with this. First of all, when we're talking about building by faith, it's very interesting, the foundation that we're given. The foundation is Jesus Christ. So when we come together, if you look at verse uh, 4, For while one saith, I am of Paul, and another, I am of Apollos, Are ye not carnal? Who then is Paul, and who is Apollos? But ministers by whom ye believed, even as the Lord gave to every man. So here's what happened. The apostle Paul planted the church at Corinth. But remember, Corinth is a Greek city, and they love eloquence, and they love teaching. And Apollos was a very godly man who was a very gifted teacher. They say he knew the scriptures better than any living person at that time. He was a skilled orator. The Apostle Paul said that he came in rudeness of speech, and that's my life's verse. I I have claimed that as my life's verse. Paul said he came in rudeness of speech, but here is Apollos, who's a very eloquent and poetic speaker. And so some people liked Paul, and some people liked Apollos. And the point of this text is it doesn't matter. The the, the man doesn't matter. It's about Jesus Christ. Then look at what the text says. It explains that. Verse 6. Verse 6, again, I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then neither is he that planteth anything, neither he that watereth, but God that giveth the increase. One preacher said he had seen a church where it said, it's such and such a church where everyone is someone. And so here it would be more biblical to say, come to Grace Baptist Church where everybody is, everyone is nothing. But Jesus Christ is everything. Doesn't that just flip the self-esteem culture on its head? Because we're not here. The, the church service isn't about us. It's about Jesus Christ. The ministry is not about us. It is about Jesus Christ. And when the foundation is Jesus Christ, then everything else can be built properly. But if the foundation isn't right, then we have a huge problem. The foundation is Jesus Christ. Go with me. Keep your place here in 1 Corinthians. This is where we're going to be camped today, but go with me to Luke chapter 6. Do we have any builders here, contractors? You, you do building for a living, right? 
I think that you all will recognize and appreciate this. Luke 6. Look at verse 46. Luke 6 and verse 46. And why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? Isn't that a good question? If Jesus Christ is your Lord, you ought to do what He says. If Jesus Christ is my Lord, I ought to do what He says. But look at what it says in verse 47. Whosoever cometh to me and heareth my sayings and doeth them, I will show you to whom he is like. He paints a picture for us. He is like a man which built a house and digged deep and laid the foundation on a rock. And when the flood arose, the stream beat vehemently upon the house and could not shake it, for it was founded upon a rock. But he that heareth and doeth not is like a man that without a foundation built an house upon the earth, against which the stream did beat vehemently, and immediately it fell. And look at this. And the ruin of that house was great, because the foundation was not right. While I was in, uh, so I preached in Deland Wednesday through Friday. Then on Saturday, I spent the day with Lawrence Vance and his library doing research and finding out all the stuff that I don't know. And then on Sunday, I went and preached in Callahan, Florida for Adam Pierce there. And they're in the middle of their, in, in the middle of their building program. And what they had done is they had all the footers dug and it was all prepared. And they, they poured the concrete on the Monday after the Sunday that I was there. And it's so interesting, the difference in the, the construction down there. So their water table, so it's in Callahan, Florida. They have to build a big pond in front of their building. They have to dig a big pond because the water level is 18 inches. 18 inches. You dig down 18 inches, you get water. How many of you are glad you don't have to deal with that here trying to build something? So their foundation has to be completely different than a foundation that we would build. But up here, we have to dig a deeper foundation because of the freeze line, the frost line. And so if it freezes, the whole foundation will jack up and you can't have that. It'll destroy your building. It's really important that you have a good foundation that you're going to build on. Have you ever been in a house with a bad foundation? I have. And the whole building is crooked. I think of the Leaning Tower of Pisa. You know, and it's interesting that so many churches, because they don't have a foundation of Jesus Christ, they end up leaning to the left. It's so true because they're trying to please someone other than Jesus Christ. You see, our goal, our foundation must be Jesus Christ. Go to Ephesians chapter 2. Look at verse 19. This verse is so appropriate with all the immigration discussion that's going on. Now, therefore, ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. It's so funny. While I was in Florida, you can tell the people that aren't from there. Mostly by complexion. Right? So, you know, I'm walking through there looking like, you know, the abominable snowman. <laughs> the savage tan that I have. It's interesting. You can tell the people that aren't from there. I, I was in uh, Rome with Steve Baker, one of our missionaries, years ago. And people kept trying to come up and sell us stuff. And they would speak English to us. And he said, do we have American written on our foreheads? And the person went, yes, yes. We, we weren't from there. They could tell 
We weren't from there. I asked them, why? What is it about us? He he said, you walk like you own the place. Isn't that funny? We we were just walking. I I don't know what that meant. But uh, it, it is interesting when you are outside of your own culture and how different it is. There might be someone here today, you've never been to a Baptist church, and this, this is a different culture for you. It's a different type of service. Our building is very plain. We, it's not ornamented. We don't have relics and statues. and So our, it, it's different. Our, our form of worship is not liturgical. So I'm not saying one thing and then you repeat it. It's not liturgical. It's, it's, our, our form of worship is different. And that's, that might seem odd to you today if this is an unusual service for you. But what I want you to see from this text is what God says about us. So verse 19 again. Now, therefore, ye are, what are those next two words? No more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with, what does it say? The saints and of the household of God. Who are the saints? The saints are not people that, are, that a group of men has have deemed to be a certain class of person. A saint, according to the Bible, is a person who's placed their faith and trust in Jesus Christ as their Savior. As Maureen, or not Maureen, what's your name, Melody? As Melody sang, they're redeemed. They're redeemed. What does that mean? What does it mean to be redeemed? It means that Jesus Christ has paid for your sin. He has purchased you. You were, the Bible describes us as being sold under sin, sold into slavery to sin. And Jesus Christ, with His own blood, He shed that blood for us. So let me say personally, Jesus Christ shed his blood for me and I was sold under sin. I was in slavery to sin. Jesus Christ paid the debt that I owed because of my sin. He purchased me. And what did he do? What did he do? He redeemed me. He brought me to God with the purchase of his own blood. So I was, I was a stranger I was outside of the family of God. I was outside of the household of faith. Jesus Christ redeemed me and brought me into his household. And now the Bible describes me as an heir and a joint heir with Jesus Christ. So not only am I not a stranger, I'm a part of the family. It is so different. Can you imagine if somebody just walked into your house and sat down at your table? Somebody that you didn't know. Somebody didn't look like you. Somebody didn't talk like you. Now, because of all of our concealed concealed carry classes, that probably wouldn't go well for that person. But just imagine that, that that happened, and you not only took that person in, but you you, you wrote them into the will. Now, in my case, that would give you quite a bit of debt, and he might not appreciate that. But imagine if you wrote that person into your will, and they became a part of your family, and you didn't even know them. Now, the difference is Jesus Christ does know us. He knows everything about us. He knows every horrible thing about us. And yet he still loves us and wants to redeem us. If you're here today, you might come from a religious background. You might come from an irreligious background. It doesn't matter. Religion has never taken anyone to heaven. The only thing that can take a person to heaven is the blood of Jesus Christ. And that has to be applied to your account That doesn't happen by taking communion. That doesn't happen by being baptized. That doesn't happen by joining a church. That only happens when you place your faith and your trust in Jesus Christ alone for your eternal salvation. There's no way that we can be good enough to get into that family. 
It's only by grace. Grace is a free gift. And by His mercy, we deserve to go to hell. But by His mercy, He doesn't punish us. By His grace, He brings us into His family and says, You're mine. You're mine. So look at our passage again. So we're in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19. Now, therefore, ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God, and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. So what's the result of that? In whom, that's Jesus Christ, all the building fitly framed together groweth unto an holy temple in the Lord, in whom ye also are builded together, look at this, for an habitation of God through the Spirit. So the idea is that when I get saved, the Holy Spirit comes to live in me, and I become the habitation of God. This particular passage is talking about the church, and what the church is supposed to be is a household of faith where Jesus Christ and God the Spirit can work in the lives of people as that church is built on the right foundation, and that foundation is Jesus Christ. There's only one foundation. There's only one that is suitable for the work of God, and that foundation is Jesus Christ. So, go with me to 2 Timothy. How do we find out what that is? 2 Timothy chapter 2. Look at verse 15. Now, all of you young people that have been through Awana, you might know this verse, but we're going to read past it, all right? 1 Timothy chapter 2, look at verse... I'm sorry, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed. Do you see that word workman? We're going to come back to that in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. But study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, Rightly dividing the word of truth. So what that means is that you put the truth in its right context. That you understand the Bible as the Bible intends the truth to be given. And here's the good news. You don't need anybody on the outside to tell you that. If you're saved, you have the Holy Spirit of God in you, then you can discern those things. Now, let's be very clear. God has given to the church as teachers, people who have ability to teach that someone else might not have. And that's a gift that God gives to churches. Would you all agree with that? But that person who has the gift of teaching is not over you. They don't have any more access to God than you do. We all have access to God. The Bible says there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. The Bible says, For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace." All of us, we can come boldly to the throne of grace. Why? Because Jesus Christ, when he died on the cross, God the Father took that, that veil that separated God and man and tore it in two. Because we now have access to the very throne room of God through the person of Jesus Christ. You don't have to go, you don't have to go meet through me to get to the Father. All right? So if Aiden wants to pray, he can go directly to God through God the Son, Jesus Christ. He doesn't have to come to me and say, will you talk to God for me? Amen? The Bible says we are all priests and kings. All of us, every saved person, every person who's placed their faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone for their eternal life is, has become a priest. What does that mean? That means you have access to God through Jesus Christ. You have access to God through the Son, God the Father through God the Son. It's very important that we get that. Now, Aiden can come to me and say, Pastor, I've got this issue that I'm dealing with. Will you pray with me? 
about that. Of course I can do that. But you can too. You have, as a saved person, you have the capacity to intercede for someone else. I don't have to have a particular garment. I don't have to have particular utensils. All I have to have is Jesus Christ as my Savior, and now I have access to God. Isn't that a blessing? It's so important that we get that. Okay, so let's go back to 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 15. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. But look at this. But shun, put them away, profane and vain babblings, for they will increase unto more ungodliness. What does that mean? We need to restrain our speech by the word of God. All right? And their word will eat as doth a canker. Anybody ever have a canker sore? It's awful, isn't it? And their word will eat as doth a canker, of whom is Hymenaeus and Philetus, who according to the truth have erred, saying that the resurrection is already passed and overthrow the faith of some. So he had these two false teachers, and notice the Apostle Paul is not afraid to identify a false teacher by name. And imagine the ignominy that came along with that. For 2,000 years, these two guys have been named as false teachers. How about that? All right, and what was their false teaching? That the resurrection already happened and you missed it. Aren't you glad you haven't missed the resurrection? It's wonderful. Then look at what it says in verse 19. So the end of verse 18, and overthrow the faith of some. Verse 19, nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth, what does that say? Sure, having this seal, the Lord knoweth them that are His, and let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. Now, here's the deal. You don't depart from iniquity to name the name of Christ. You name the name of Christ, and then the Holy Spirit gives you the capacity to depart from iniquity. That's the way that it works. Here's the thing. You can't get cleaned up to take a bath. You take a bath to get cleaned up. You can't be good enough to be saved. You get saved so that you can become good. And it's Jesus Christ that does that work in you because the Bible says there's none that doeth good. There's no, not one. And so it's very important that we get this. The foundation of everything that we do is Jesus Christ and the gospel of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. If we ever get away from the true gospel, the gospel that is communicated to us in the scriptures, then our foundation is gone and everything else will collapse. How is it that churches start teaching such unbelievable false doctrine? Because their foundation moved away from Jesus Christ. And it must be everything that we do. If we're going to be building by faith, the foundation of it must be Jesus. All right, so go back with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. So our foundation is Christ. And everything that we do here is to please Him. But then look at what it says. I want you to see this. Not only is our foundation Christ, our glory is in Christ. So look with me at verse 7. So then neither is he that planteth anything. So that's Paul. Neither is he that watereth anything. Or neither is he that watereth. And that's Apollos. But God that giveth the increase. All right. So let's put it in context of Grace Baptist Church. Bill Hovestrite planted. I have watered. Isn't it amazing this church in 66 years has had two pastors? It's just an amazing thing. Um, the point of this is 
Pastor Bill is nothing. Pastor Jim is nothing. Jesus Christ is everything. We, we have to keep that in mind. Again, we, we don't have... Well, let, let's move on. So look at what it says in verse 8. This gives us some more information on it. Now, he that planteth and he that watereth are one. All right, so put it in our context. That would be Pastor Bill, Pastor Jim. And every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. What's interesting is I'm not going to give an account for Bill Hovestrite. Bill Hovestrite's not going to give an account for what Jim Alter did following him. That's, that's what the text is saying. All right, but then look at what it says. Verse 8 again, Now he that planteth and he that watereth are one, and every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. So what this is teaching, it's very important. This is so important in the ministry. And that is, we're all, and later on in the chapter, it says we're all going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. All right? So other foundation can no man lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. And then it talks about what we're going to build on that foundation. We can build a foundation of gold, silver, and precious stones, or we can build on that foundation wood, hay, and stubble. The wood, hay, and stubble, when they go through the fire, will be burned. There won't be anything left. The gold, silver, and precious stones, you know all those things your wives want for Valentine's Day. Those are going to last, gold, silver, and precious stones, the way that you build. The foundation has to be Jesus, but then what we do after that is what we're going to be rewarded for. Now, this is very important. Bill Hovestrite has gone home to his reward. His work is done. But I want you to think about something. How many of you have come to Grace Baptist Church after Pastor Bill went home to be with the Lord? Would you raise your hands? Okay, hold them up. Hold them up real high. Everybody look around. Everybody look around. You see, he's gone home to be with the Lord, but his work's not done. I, I could cry. You know, I get goosebumps for that. Because all the blessing that we are receiving here at Grace Baptist Church is because there was a man from Michigan that said, you know what, they need a church in Sydney, Ohio. There's, there's saved people there. But they need a church in Sydney, Ohio. And he came and planted Grace Baptist Church. I'm so thankful for that. What a blessing that is. Now, here's the thing that's so important. And yet, without Sonny and Thelma Roadhamel, without Pete and Ruby Lime, without these others that came and worked with him, Ruby Lime on her, so this is Sue Black for Sue, where are you? In the overflow? So this is Sue's mom. So Ty and... And uh, Jet, grandmother, she'd come here on her lunch hour and carry cinder blocks to help lay the foundation and build the building that we're in right now. Little Ruby, their aunt, got up on the roof and did the roof. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? These are the people. But here, here's what's so cool. So Pastor Bill has his reward. But the rubies have their reward. Isn't that good? It's so important that we see that. All of those folks who have come before us here, they have invested, they have labored, they've served the Lord, and they have their reward. That's what the Bible says. It's very clear. that They have their own reward. So, Caleb, I can't earn your reward, and you being here in church... You can't have my reward. All right? There's no socialism at the judgment seat of Christ. 
There is no redistribution of wealth at the judgment seat of Christ. It's just your own. It's just your own. Now, let me ask you a question. What labor are you doing for the Lord in His church? Is there any reward? The Bible talks about how some people are saved. So the judgment seat of Christ is only for saved people. But they don't have anything. There are no rewards there at all. And here's the sad part about that. What we're going to do with those rewards is we're going to take those rewards. When we see Jesus, we're going to lay them at His feet. Because, again, it's all for Him. There's that old song, Must I Go In Empty-Handed. And I want you to think about something. This is from Joseph Parker. And he wrote in the 1800s. He was a preacher in England. And I love this. He said, Now he that planteth and he that watereth are one. Paul is as good as Apollos, and Apollos is as good as Paul, and neither of them is worthy of being mentioned. And so now listen to how he lists them. Because they are only deacons, ministers, servants, errand bearers, slaves of the Lord Jesus Christ. When you think of the church and praise the church, think of God, and let every doxology fly heavenward, not a syllable lost to the earth. Isn't that good? To this sublimity of conception would Paul call us. And every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. Thus Paul recognizes what he himself has done and what Apollos has done, and each of them shall receive his own wages. Paul has been planting 10 or 50 years. The Lord will not forget him. Apollos has been charming the churches with that unrivaled eloquence and with that unsurpassed knowledge of the Scriptures in which he is so mighty. At eventide, God will give him his crown. But there the matter will rest. Paul has no authority. Apollos has no authority. Paul never wants to have his name quoted. He would seem to cry in spiritual agony, Brethren, let me alone. Do not quote me. Quote the Lord. I am an echo, not a voice. Do not seal your letters with my authority. Seal them with the superscription of Calvary. Isn't that good? That is the heart of building by faith. In building by faith, we're building on the foundation of Jesus Christ. And then we recognize that we are not only laborers. Remember, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed. We are not only laborers, but we are co-laborers. That is, all of us have been called together to work together for the Lord. Sometimes it's together here in this place. Other times it is us representing Jesus Christ out in the workplace, out in the community, out in the marketplace. That is who we are supposed to be. We are laborers and co-laborers. But not only that, look at what it says, 1 Corinthians 3. Look at what it says in verse 9. For we are laborers, look at what it says, together with who? With God. Have you ever had a co-worker that made you work harder? Because you wanted to keep up with that person. I have heard of people that someone will come to them and they'll say, slow down, you're making the rest of us look bad. Have you ever heard something like that? It's hilarious. No, I'm here to work. You need to pick up the pace. Can you imagine working next to God? How many of you think he might make you look bad? You think so? That's not the idea there. The idea there is it's his work and he has called us into his work. And he hasn't, he hasn't called us to work alone. He doesn't call us to do anything that he doesn't participate in. Isn't that awesome? We are co-laborers together with God. I want you to see how that, this works. Look at the next verse. 
For we are co-laborers, verse 9 again, for we are co-laborers together with God. Ye are God's husbandry, ye are God's building. So look, it, we're, we're not only the farmers, but we're the field. Do you see that? So we are co-laborers together with Him, ye are God's husbandry. Now, with the idea of husbandry, if I had a garden, it would look really bad because I hate gardening. I don't have a garden specifically because I hate gardening. I hate weeding. I hate every bit of it. I'm allergic to grass. I get outside. It's terrible. I hate it. I hate every bit of it. Aren't you glad God doesn't hate you? Because my garden would look terrible. I would do the very least I had to do because I got to have this stupid garden to eat. Thank God for Kroger. Okay? So if I were in charge of the garden... So I go over to Josh Divins. They're, they're sick today. They're not here. But I go to Josh Divins, and he has this unbelievable garden, you know? And I think, I hate that. <laughs> Do you know that there are people that think that when God looks at the world, he just hates the world? He hates the field. He doesn't. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And what's interesting here, when you look at the text, look at what it says again, for we are laborers together with God, ye are God's husbandry. Do you know that God loves you so much that He's going to fashion you into a field that produces fruit? Isn't that good? He's going to do everything necessary in you for you to be able to produce fruit. So you're not only the laborer, you are the laborer. He is working in you, in that garden. But I love this. The next, the next illustration that God gives for us, ye are God's husbandry, ye are God's building. Ye are God's building. In Ephesians, well, let's go ahead and look at it. Look at Ephesians chapter uh, 4. Building by faith. Ephesians chapter 4. So remember, we talked about the foundation, how when the foundation is sure and it's, it's dug down deep and it's built on the rock, then the streams can come through, but the building stands, right? We saw that from Luke chapter 6 and then 2 Timothy chapter 2. But look at what this says. Uh, verse, so Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, "...and he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers." Now, notice there's nobody named there. Y'all see that? There's no one named there. Those offices are important because God gave those offices to build the church. All right? Now, look at what it says. What are they there for? Verse 12, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. So the work of the ministry, edifying of the body of Christ. Edifying is building. That's what the word means. Till, uh, so what's the goal? Till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Then look at what the foundation does for us. Verse 14, that we henceforth, from now on, be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. Have you ever seen a little toddler walking outside, the wind starts blowing and they fall over? Have you ever seen that happen? It's awesome. You stand them up so it'll happen again, so you can watch it over and over again. It's awesome. All right? That's the idea here. That's an immature person. 
But, you know, Bob Curlis walks out and the wind starts blowing. And he's so skinny, he falls over and Kim just laughs and picks him up again. And <laughs> No, you, you don't expect a grown man to be blown over by the wind. Would you all agree with that? That's the idea of having our foundation on Jesus Christ. Then we can build our doctrine on Christ and the apostles, and the false doctrine comes and it blows, and it does absolutely nothing to Grace Baptist Church. Why is that? Look at what, let's, let's read on. Verse 15, But speaking the truth and love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ, who is our foundation and our head, from whom the whole body fitly joined together, and compacted by that which every joint supplieth, according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. What's going on? We're fitly framed together. We are built together into a church that can last, that can accomplish its purpose, that is a habitation for the Holy Spirit of God, where the work of God can be done, where false doctrine blows against the walls, but it never makes its way inside. That's what God wants to build here. But that only happens, go back to 1 Corinthians 3, when we understand this, verse 9. For we are laborers together with God. Ye are God's husbandry. Ye are God's building. It's very important that we get this. So the foundation is Jesus. The glory is Jesus Christ's. But the reward is conditional. The reward is conditional. And it, it, that's the part, if you look with me at verse uh, 8 again, it says, Now he that planteth and he that watereth are one, and every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. So your reward is conditional. But it's very important that we get this. So this church is growing. Aren't you glad Grace Baptist Church is still growing? Right? It's not done. So this church is growing, but it's got to be built on the right foundation as we build. But the interesting thing about the church is the church is built on you. The foundation is Jesus Christ, but everything that goes on in the church is us. And it is us growing in the Lord, Jesus Christ building us up. We are the building by faith. And see, Grace Baptist Church will only be as strong as the members of Grace Baptist Church. So let's say you're going to build a house and you go and get your two-by-fours. And you're going to want to find the two-by-fours that are as crooked and not filled as possible. No? That's not what you're going to do? How many of you want to make sure that if somebody's building a skyscraper, that the steel is good steel? Right? The concrete is good concrete, you know, with Jimmy Hoffa in it. Good concrete. It's, it's really important what we build with. So if the church is made up of members... And the Bible says in Ephesians 4, we just looked at it, that when the church grows, that it's where every part of the church is fitly joined together and every part of it is doing what that part is supposed to do. What if the entire church was based on you? What if you are the weakest point in the church and Satan and false doctrine and evil and gossip and covetousness and immorality comes into the church because of you. How many of you would say, I don't want that to happen? Would you raise your hands? I don't want that to happen. I don't want it to happen from someone else, and I certainly don't want it to happen from me.
How is that going to happen? That's going to happen as we continue building by faith. See, we need to build Grace Baptist Church by faith, but I need to build my home by faith. I need to build my personal walk with the Lord by faith. I need to build my holiness by faith. Do you know why? Because I don't have any holiness. It can only be the righteousness and holiness of Jesus Christ where I take off the old man and I put on the new man which is created in righteousness and true holiness, according to Ephesians chapter 4. It's so important that we take that off, off that worldliness. We put on the new man. And do you know what God will do? God will grow you. Is there someone here you'd say, you know what, Pastor? God has grown me over the last period of time, whatever that is, just in your own personal testimony. You don't have to say anything. But you know that God has taken you from someplace where you were to someplace better. Anyone here can say that? You know that God has done that for you? So here's the question. Here's the question. So God has taken you someplace. Have you gone back to where you were? I know that that's happened in my life before. You see, if we're going to build, that means we're adding. It doesn't mean we're going backwards. That's that law of entropy. Here's what we need to pray. God, we're not going to do anything. But just have the building get better and grow. How many of you think that's a good plan? Nobody? You don't think it's a good plan? But what about in your own life? God, I'm not going to do anything. I'm not going to read the Bible. I'm not going to pray, and I'm certainly not going to get involved in discipleship. I'm not going to take an hour out of my week to have somebody teach me the Bible. No way. Build me. Is there anything different there? than saying, okay, God, we're not going to touch the building, but the auditorium's going to go over there. Let's just watch it happen. (sighs) Listen. See, we build by faith. We build by believing what God has said. And what is that faith? Go to the book of Jude. I love it when the one turn happens. It just happened. Boom, Jude. Would have won that sword drill. <laughs> Jude. All right, look at verse 1. Jude, the servant of Jesus Christ and brother of James, to them that are sanctified by God the Father and preserved in Jesus Christ and called. That is so good, that description of believers. Mercy, be, mercy unto you, and peace and love be multiplied. Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you, look at what it says, of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that ye should earnestly contend for the faith which was often delivered unto the saints. What's that word? Which was once delivered. See, there's only one faith. There's only one faith. Ephesians chapter 4. Referenced it three times so far tonight, or this morning. Ephesians chapter 4, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. There's only one faith. If we're going to build by faith, if we're going to be building by faith, we must understand that there's only one, and that is faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and in His work as identified in the Scriptures. This is our authority. This is our foundation. This is how we're going to build. What we're going to try to be doing this year at Grace Baptist is I want to do everything I can to get as many of you involved in one-on-one biblical discipleship as possible. Why? Because I want you to be built by faith. 
It does two things. Discipleship does two things. When I am discipling someone else, it helps me grow. But when I am communicating God's Word to someone else, it, it requires me to be holy. It requires me to be in the Word of God. It reminds me of truth that I may have forgotten about. Discipleship is vital. You know, there are people who have been saved for a long time, but you've never been discipled. And see, by being discipled, what that does is it prepares you to teach someone else the Word of God. Why? So that we can be co-laborers together with God. And here's what some people think. Me teach the Bible? That's what we pay you for. Well, hallelujah, I'm glad you pay me. And that is one of the things you pay me for. But that doesn't give you, or that doesn't let you off of the hook. It's interesting, the, the, the writer of Hebrews said, the time when you ought to be teaching someone else, I have to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. Why is that? When you're not teaching someone else, you don't grow. So I want you to get involved in discipleship. And all it is, it's you saying, I will give an hour a week to have someone teach the Bible to me. Sometimes you end up with an hour, hour and a half, whatever. But you set a period of time where a man teaches a man, woman teaches a woman the Word of God. And then every day you spend a little bit of time in God's Word, learning and growing God's Word. That's not too much to ask, is it? Is that too much to ask? No, 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 no. And then what happens is I train you. Once you have been discipled, then I train you to disciple someone else. And I teach you how to teach someone else. Because 1 Corinthians 10 says, I would that you all speak the same thing, and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and the same judgment. How awesome is it that we have 70 adults, one-on-one discipleship? Something else that we're working on is for our seniors in high school to be able to be discipled. That's something that we're working on. Isn't that a good idea? Uh, we, We really want to work on that, but we have to develop disciplers to be able to do that. So it's very important that we get this. The foundation of building is a building on the faith. You need to learn what the faith is. And remember, you don't know something until you can say it to someone else. Remember the illustration, what's the only man-made object visible from outer space? Well, it's the Great Wall of China. Okay? We know that. No, it, it's not Michael Moore. It's the Great Wall of China. Um, and so you're, you're playing Trivial Pursuit, and they say, what's the only man-made object visible from outer space? I don't know. I don't know. What is that? Great Wall of China. I knew that. No, no, you had heard it before. If you knew it, you would have said it. Is that right? So here, it's very important. A lot of us have heard the Bible for a long time, but we can't say it to someone else. How many of you have ever been in a situation where a topic comes up and you've heard the teaching on that topic and you say, I wish Pastor Jim was here right now? Has that ever happened? Yeah, it's really important that you get this. You need to be able to tell that truth. You need to be able to do that. That's what discipleship is about. So my goal for this year, all of us to be involved in discipleship and building that theme throughout the script, throughout our, our church. The second thing that we're going to be doing is this fall, I'm going to be doing a series on the Reformation, a biblical response to the Reformation, because this year is the 500th anniversary of the Reformation. And I want you to know, okay, who was Martin Luther? Who was John Calvin? Who was John Knox? What did they believe? What did they practice? How does that impact what we believe and who we are? Because you're going to be hearing a lot about these things. I I want you to know what the truth of that is. That's very important. Uh, As far as the church calendar, it's very important that, that you understand that we're not going to have a church calendar this year because 
I have no idea what the schedule on the building is going to be, so we just have to work it all around it. We do have a few things that are set in stone. I want to give you those. Our Baptist History Tour is May 1st through the 5th. Now, this is such an important thing, May 1st through the 5th. Um, those of you who have been on it, it doesn't sound fun. You know, we're going to go to Baptist History sites. Look at dead people. That doesn't sound fun. It's a blast. Those of you who have gone can say, you can't imagine how much fun it is. We get on a really beautiful tour bus. We stay in Hampton Inns. It's, it's, all of the accommodations are fantastic. But then the things that we learn are so inspiring. And then just the fun that we have mocking each other on the bus. And it, it is so much fun. We just, any of you men who are able to take the time off, and yes, it is the He-Man Woman Haters Club. It's just guys on this trip. And if a boy is 13 years or older, you can bring him. So I hope that you guys can mark that on your calendar. It's a fantastic trip. Then teen camp is July 16th through the 20th. This teen camp is probably the biggest event of the year at Grace Baptist Church because it is a time for these young people to get away from the world and to have the Word of God pounded into their skulls full of mush. So it's really an important time. Then man camp, September 22nd through the 23rd. Man camp, September 22nd through the 23rd. That's always a great time. There are ladies' activities that are being planned in the meantime, and you'll be hearing about these things. But I'm going to ask you to be really flexible on the schedule because we're going to have to announce things that fit around building schedule and all of those things. So just be prepared for that. And I know that many of you with your work schedules, you have to schedule things so far in advance. And I'm sorry, these major events, we're going to be able to get you those things. But everything else is just going to be as we're working around uh, what's going on with the building. And it's really important that we get that. Folks, isn't it amazing what God's doing at Grace Baptist Church? How many of you have seen someone today that you've never seen before? All right? That just made that person very uncomfortable. But there's probably more than you. That is such a good thing. It is such a good thing. And what we all have to do is we need to get around and get to know these people, grow in the Lord. The foundation of everything we're doing is the gospel of Jesus Christ, bringing glory to Him. The glory and the labor goes to Him. The reward is based on what you and I do. We're building by faith. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for what you're doing here.